it's Sherilyn Westrich, and you're listening to the HRBB Podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange, welcome to the Hot Rod Five Boy Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is episode 61 of the HRBB Podcast. Chris, how are we doing, my friend? Real good. All right, we got a very special guest today. Uh, let's welcome to the show, Sherry Lynn Westridge. How are we doing today? Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, this yeah. is awesome. You're quite the decorated guest. There's, yeah, you uh, know what? Uh, I've been excited about this one for a while. It's like a lot of my uh, interests are converging into one podcast. <laughs> uh, politics. Music. Music. Cars. Hot rods. <laughs> like uh, uh, yeah, Automotive stuff. So... Yeah. Most of you will probably know Sherry from uh, Overhauling, right? Um, yeah. That's probably where, and we're, and we're going to get into all that. Um, but man, how how are? And, but you know what? Hold on a second. She's now a U.S. senator. Yes. That's, yes. That's, that's that's cool. So I actually have to clarify: I'm a state senator. State, state senator. State senator for Iowa. Yeah. So. State yep. senator. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I'm I. I only listen to, to uh, just below mainstream media for my my political stuff. So, uh, yeah. if I if I if I do not know the inner workings, I will by the end of the podcast. So you're a state a state senator. Yeah, you you were just sworn That's in right. recently too, right? Uh, uh, what's that? You were just sworn in recently too, right? Yeah, we we were sworn in in uh, first uh, January 9th, and and uh, so I served in the House for two years. And then now I got elected to the Senate, so moving up and and yeah, just got sworn in and we've been working now for three weeks, and uh, it's been it's already getting crazy. It's already and, and we're only in three weeks. We in Iowa, you serve for four months out of the year, and and then you get the rest of the year off. So oh, cool. Okay, that's how it goes. So that's that's. That's pretty, I mean, that's interesting because you know how, how this all came about was, um, okay, so we're backtrack. I mean, I, I knew you from when you were dating Mike Curtis. Um, and that was, why would you tell people that? <laughs> oh, sorry. That's how I met you. Yeah. Right. So, I know. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, that was a while ago. That was a, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And, and then Mike, Mike Curtis and I, we met on the overhauling show. He was doing the wheels yeah. with Chip and yeah. And then. After I did the Overhaulings, we dated for like five years, and then I went back to Overhauling. <laughs> yeah, and then so at Dino's Get Down, I start. Of course, I, I you know people want to talk politics. I talk politics with them. So uh, I was talking to Chris Sage. He comes by, and I said, you know, we need more. We need more uh, conservative women that are you know if, if we're in the automotive industry, right? Yeah. To represent you know in government. And he goes. Oh, Sherry's a senator now. And I go, what? I go, really? <laughs> yeah. And so it I was, was like, so weird. This was the weirdest SEMA ever because I went to SEMA as with SEMA PAC. They brought me out as a senator, and uh, and so you know I'm used to going with overhaul and or just going with my company or whatever. And anyway, I, I it was a it was the other end of the spectrum with, uh, at SEMA this year dealing uh, with the SEMA PAC and pretty funny that's awesome yeah, yeah that's that's yeah it's it's and and so how did how did that come about that you're just getting into the this se- how did what come about just Sorry. you getting into just you getting into politics 
Well, it actually it was that that year that we elected Trump, and uh, a friend of mine was going to their uh, um, door knocking things. That was you know people knock on your door and ask you if you'll vote for him, and yeah. and making phone calls, and and I wanted nothing to do with it. But she talked me into it because they were serving chicken and noodles, and uh, and then the next night they were serving chili homemade by this uh, old lady that was making the phone calls, and so it's kind of, you know, that's how I got started. I went and did that, and through that, the Republican Party asked me to run. Uh, people kind of got to know me, and and they picked me to be a candidate, and I was like, what? All right, so we, I ran for office, and. But to be honest, you know, my interest in politics was, you know, way back in the 1980s and just looking at the the way things were going and how things were changing. And I really didn't like, especially throughout the 90s, how the country was changing. And so I always kept track of politics. I just kind of thought that that was a rich man's game. And being a car builder, you guys know as well as I do, you are not a rich man. If you're building cars, <laughs> you're probably no. losing money. And so... Um, that's why I never really pursued it is I just thought that it was for, you know, folks with a lot of money. And anyway, when I figured out you don't have to have money to run, uh, immediately I said yes. And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of through that, but I always kept track of what was going on. And, and to be honest, I'm one of the only people that I know, you know, back right when I got out of high school, I would read the bills before I would vote on them. Like I just refused to vote on anything that before I read it. And so, um, you know, it was, it, it's not like I just started paying attention. It's just, I just, just decided to jump on the other side and run. Cause you, you grew up in Missouri, right? St. Yep. St. Louis. Yeah, area, just right? south of St. Louis. Yep. Okay. Um, so then but, but so, so how did you become representative of Iowa? Well, I, some friends of mine, um, uh, they, they were building a car, a 34 Ford for their dad. And they asked me to come out and help them build this car for their dad. And, uh, they, they're friends of mine from kindergarten, uh, from St. you know, down around St. Louis. And, um, it's actually classic Mustangs, uh, Lonnie and Jason Childress. And so I went to help them build that car and we ended up going to a track up in St. Louis and running autocross. And at that track running autocross, some guy walked up and I, it was their friend and I just pointed to him. I said, I want that guy. <laughs> so that ended up being, uh, Ross McCombs, who's the founder of QuickTime Bell Housing. And, um, you know, that was that I ended up, he, he lived in Iowa where quick time is made. And um, after a couple of years, I said, all right, something's got to give. So I moved out to Iowa. So oh, that's awesome. yeah, I moved to Iowa for, for a guy. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, but you, did you end up, so, so let, let, let's, I'm going to just give people a little background on. Uh, so I knew Sherry through Mike, right. And yep. then through the overhaul. And, and then I think it was, it was a few years later. This is probably maybe five, six years ago. Yeah, I'm looking at you know I'm going through some stuff, some music stuff, right? And I'm looking at just some names, and I go, God, that name looks some familiar. Yeah, and I'm like, huh? And I said, Hey, Mike, w was Sherry in the rentals? <laughs> and, and he goes, Yeah, <laughs> she was. And I'm going, Well, hold on a second. 
if the sherry was in the rentals, then that means she was you were so you were in you the, were it was in the band Super Sport two thousand Super Sport two thousand, which yeah we were, we were all because uh, let's see I graduated ninety two and maybe two years later I got into music and then my brother was in bands and I got in a band with him but we were all into that scene it just in yeah. la like weezer was big right yeah so for those of you yeah. that don't know uh matt sharp from weezer right did was was rentals going on while weezer was around like um was it like a side project and kind then, of sort of like he started his own side project and then decided to get out of weezer and then make the rentals his full full deal so I was that I was doing super sport at the same time. So Weezer, before Weezer got signed, they actually would open for us. We would play on the same bill all over Hollywood, and and we would always draw the bigger crowd. And then Weezer got signed to Geffen, and I remember showing up. They had to do a bunch of practice shows before they go on tour, and I went to probably I don't know thirty Weezer shows where there'd be like five or 10 people in the audience and it would be like me and my friends yeah. and we were just trying to support them. So it was like kind of a crazy deal. All of a sudden Weezer became this huge hit. And, um, and now there's like the whole Weezer nation, which, you know, that includes super sport and, and, uh, that dog and, and, um, size 14 and all these crazy bands that we used to play with around there. But yeah. And then, then anyway, uh, uh, Matt, asked if I would be in the rentals and so I joined up with them and then Madonna saw this video that we made and Madonna signed us to a record contract and we ended up touring all over Europe all over the United States playing with all these intense bands like uh, Alanis Morissette and uh, the Chili Peppers and uh, anybody you can name really that was playing at that time we did all those K-Rock Christmas shows and all that so it was it was uh, rock star life that's pretty, awesome. Pretty funny. Yeah, because I yeah. actually we got into we were totally into Weezer, uh, and then so we were obviously in all the other bands and your band and because you guys were on that uh, oh that tribute album, the Michael and Carly tribute yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah, so, Michael and Carly they were they were the greatest girls and they yeah, um and so we we tried to contribute a song to that that yeah. album that was Faster Kitties. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And to be honest, like we would have, we, that's the only song at that time that we had recorded ready to go. So it's kind of an odd song to put on it, but we just wanted to be on that tribute to them. So we, we put it on there. That's awesome. Yeah. That, um, and dude, I, I honestly, when I, there was a short period of time where I was working for the phone company between my dad's business building back up and that I, I, I must've played that album. A, a million times over and over <laughs> a million times man. do you know the word can you sing a little sing a little track for me yeah but, okay I, i'm not gonna sing it but i remember it's faster kitty get on the train uh oh my god I, no do you know what i was gonna i was gonna i was gonna cue it up i should have cued it up and played it <laughs> yeah you should have cued it up it was a pretty good song yeah that was cool well um and then we were totally into that that band size 14 and they got signed i think to island records and dude they're their stuff was yeah. awesome, musically awesome. I, I mean, and then uh, we saw, like, it was something came up because I think a lot of my friends at the time weren't twenty one. So 
you your Supersport 2000 was playing with size 14, and my friends were all jealous because I took my girlfriend at the time, and we went. So we <laughs> saw you play and size 14 play, and it was a great show. And I don't know the club. So I don't crazy. remember the club. It was just one of the you know one of those clubs in LA. The whiskey or something no, like that. No, it wasn't even yeah. that. It wasn't even like the whiskey or the Viper Room or anything like that. It was something smaller like that. It was like yeah. God, it was Rogies or something. Yeah, I don't well, know, man. Well, you know what's funny is years later, like I was like, I would I would play the shows and then I wouldn't hang out. After we got off stage, I'd book it. And so I didn't see if we were opening for someone or if someone played before us. I never saw them. So I never saw um, size 14. Oh, like, really? Maybe a couple times. But then I guess they wrote a song about me. They did. They Super Babe, Super Babe 2000. Yeah. You're, you're a punk rock Sharon Stone. I, I know the words. I trust me. Super, <laughs> Super Babe. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, while we're talking, I'm going to pull it up. Uh, yeah, so oh, it's size gosh. 14. But the thing with size 14 is like these guys were like over the top like metal guys, but they were that corny like corny lyrics you know and yeah. and the guy yeah. kind of sounded like uh, weird al <laughs> so musically like yeah. if you're into like shredding metal like poppy kind of hooky stuff they were good but mainstream wise it just i don't think they were um i don't i don't think they ever that's why they never kind of went anywhere yeah i don't think they crossed over the mainstream oh well well you have uh their super babe 2000 song has twelve thousand views on youtube by the way so Really? It's kind of popular. All right, twelve thousand yeah, kind of people. Twelve thousand, <laughs> and I—I I was probably a thousand of those. <laughs> no, but so yeah. that was, uh, yeah, I, I was all into that because we, me and Greg, started a band, and we were all into the the Moog synthesizers, and you know, right out of Weezer and Rentals yeah. and all that stuff. So, so how did, did you did you come to L.A. in pursuit of music? No, I um, I actually followed my sister out there. She was in the Air Force. And so I I just went to visit her while she was stationed up in um, San Jose and uh, got out there. And, you know, you're from the Midwest. You, just, you get out there, and I went to, we went to the beach and everything. And I said, that's it. I'm moving out here. And so right after high school, I just I just went out there because it was it was fun. And I and I wanted to surf and. So I went out, bought a surfboard, bought a motorcycle. I used to go down and surf Santa Cruz, and and um, I thought it was a cool place to be. Didn't really have a plan, you know. And I actually worked at Bank of America, worked as a bookkeeper, and um, just tried to figure things out. And, and it all just kind of fell in my lap, to be honest, like one thing after another. I, I got into skateboarding and ended up, you know, going to, um, like Australia and, um, all over Europe with all the pro skaters back then, I, um, Corey O'Brien and Bod Boyle and Jeff, uh, Jeff Kendall. I'm trying to think of all the people we, we went and skated at, who's the most famous skateboarder? I can't remember his name. Tony Hawk. <laughs> Tony Hawk's house. He had ramps in his backyard. It was just like, if you, if you were a friend of Tony Hawk's, I knew you. All these, all these crazy people, Jeff Grosso and Lucero, and they were just my friends. And so I skateboarded for, I don't know, five years and, and then ended up moving down to LA and then just fell into the band, the super sport. Uh, some girl, her name was Debbie Diamond. And we, 
she ran in, you know, we were at the bar together, ran into each other. And she said, I like your skirt. Too bad you don't um, play bass. You could be in our band. And I was like, I do play bass. And <laughs> so four days later, I, uh, I well, actually, I called a friend of mine that night and I was like, you have to teach me how to play bass really quick. I got an audition on in four days and I just learned how to play bass in four days and I got it. I, they took me in the band and that was, those are all the members of super sport 2000 that I just fooled them into thinking I've been playing bass. I was like, I've been playing for like three years. Yeah. And <laughs> four days later, I like busted ass to learn how to play the bass. That's amazing. Hey, hold on. That listen to it. what I got playing here. Hold on. You hear it good? What is that? That's your song. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's on the... Somebody has... It, it was hard to find because I lost my original copy, but someone posted that whole album, that tribute album, on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah. They just don't have... They, they, have, they don't have the songs. Like, you can't really... You have to find the songs. You can't it's really... It's all one... One. It's all one. Oh, yeah, it's they, one long. They have the track recording. list. Well, I have the album somewhere, you know, on a, a CD somewhere. Yeah. No, that's that's rad. So skate, skate, you ca- ca- cool. coming out, follow your sister. Then you just get into surfing and skateboarding, traveling the world, then music. So were, were you like an athlete in high school or like what? Because you seem to be pretty gifted. You know, you picked up the bass in a few days. You, you were a skater, surfer. Uh, yeah, in high school, I do. You know, I did all the sports. It was basketball, volleyball, tennis. Okay. I ran track. I I used to break the records for the long distance track, and yeah, and I'd... but then I was in choir every single year all the way through. Um, yeah, just uh, <laughs> and then I I was the you know queen of the DeSoto dance or whatever you know I guess queen of the dance and then um, president of my class for all of high school and um that was like a crazy that was like a revenge of the nerds thing because um when i got in eighth grade i i switched over to the public school and and somebody pointed at a boy and said he's a popular boy and i said what's a popular boy (laughs) i didn't know what it meant and then i you know learned what it meant and there you know there was this girl that they elected president every year but everyone hated her i said well why are you guys voting for her so I went and campaigned that um, everybody that I knew that would stand out in the smoking area, all the burnouts they'd call them, and then there was the, all the geeks and, you know, all the sports kids. And, and I was like, if we don't like her, why are we voting for her? And you could just vote for me. And so I got elected. That's by awesome. knowing all the the nerds. And, and uh, yeah, we, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty funny. And then I just was president of my class the whole time. So, so, but yeah. <laughs> so was the car, was, was the, uh, have you always been in the cars? Were you always like the car thing always there? Or was that something like kind of like yeah. the band or skateboarding? You kind of like, Hey, jumped into that. Well, it kind of, it kind of evolved. Like I've always thought, you know, like cool car. I, I always liked cool cars, you know, growing up, they were just something I thought was pretty awesome, but I, I never really had one. Um, my dad wasn't like big into, to cars. He, he was when he was a kid, I think, you know, back in the thirties and the forties, but we didn't have anything in my family, but I would help him repair cars. Like I would go out and hand him tools and stuff and hold the flashlight. 
So I liked it, but um, then it was through uh, Nottis Coppice, a skateboarder. Coppice. He really got me into Mopar. Not as cop as that. You're go, you're throwing a name from the past, big yeah. time. Oh uh, yeah, we dated for a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was a, uh, yeah, he was like the love of my life back then, and um, and and he was in to Mopars. He had a a '69 Super B, and he had sold it to uh to by chance Nancy Pelosi's daughter. <laughs> who I didn't know that that's who she was. I just know her as Alexandria, his friend, and I ended up buying it from her. So that was my first Mopar was a 69 Super V. Then I got a 70, then I got a Charger, and a Challenger, and a Coronet 440, and, and I just went Mopar crazy. Nice. And then through those Mopar connections, like going to the swap meets and stuff, I met um, Shannon from Redline Gauge Works, and he ended up, uh, helped me to get a job at North Hollywood Speedometer. So that was my first real car industry job. I was rebuilding gauges and and speedometers at, at North Hollywood. And then and then he knew after a couple of years I was done with that. And he said, you should work for Overhauling. And I said, what's that? He's like, it's a TV show with this guy, Tip Booth. And I said, who's that? And then <laughs> uh, he got me an audition with Bud Bretzman and and I went down there, and and uh, they asked me to to build. And I, I, the first day, I was like, "Yeah." So I uh, started building cars with them, and they they make you build your first car for free because they want to see if you're going to try to be on TV or if you're going to build cars. Yeah. And by the end of day one, they asked me to stay for the rest of the build. By the end of the build, they asked me to stay for the rest of the season because that's. I mean, I was just a, I, I loved it, and I worked really hard, and and. And, uh, yeah, so I got, that was the start of overhauling and, and that would have been what, 2003, for, 2003, 2004, What's, right there. Uh, I think, yeah, right around then. Yeah, yeah. It was like season three of their, when, you know, when they started season three is when I was on it and, and, uh, yeah, I built probably, uh, 70 cars with them, something like that. Wow. Well, now it's up to like 75 cause like two years ago they called me back and asked me to do five cars. And one of them was the Shaquille O'Neal build. Okay. So that was pretty pretty cool. <laughs> Got to fly back out there and, and do a few builds with them. I think that was the last season that they that they did. Really? I don't think they're doing it anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think they are. Yeah, I think they're Cause... done finally. They always say they're done though, you know. They always say it and then a year later you're back, sucked back in. Well, yeah, because, right, didn't they change kind of production? Didn't Chip take on some of the production? They moved it over there to... Yep. Yeah, because my buddy Eric was running. He was one of the production managers. Oh, yeah, uh, he, yep, I worked with him. You know Biggie? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's cool. And then, so that's how you met Mike, was on overhauling. Yeah, he walked in and was doing the wheels one day, and um, he... And he said that the reason that he liked me is because he, he called me the B word in the conversation. And we were talking to a bunch of guys together, you know? Yeah. And he said, he said, yeah, during that conversation, I called you the C word and the B word and you didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> that Mike, like, he's got a way, is, he's got a way yeah. with words. With him, you know? <laughs> yeah, he really does. I was like, that's a reason to, yeah. to but, like somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, funny. 
It was just the fact that we like I just didn't, like everything just brushes off my shoulders. Like I think if you're gonna be the only girl in a shop with 25 guys, you better have a sense of humor and oh, be able to just take yeah, things lightly. Sure. Otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't put. It, up it with, was fun. Yeah, you shouldn't put up with any you know any crap, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the typical guy talk. I mean, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, you know. And he was just goofy, and he's not a mean guy, you know. It was, yeah, it was so it was just, all, a, yeah. Whatever it was, For I don't sure. even remember it. It must have been some funny joke, and yeah, it was hilarious. It wasn't, it wasn't in the context of, you know, put, you know putting you down no. or, or whatever. Well, you know. Nobody was mean to me there. Everybody was very cool. Well, you know, Australian people, uh, they, they use the, the C word like it's like, you know. Like dude, yeah, like dude, yeah, pretty much, yeah, you silly, <laughs> exactly. Silly, silly. Yeah. Same in English, do the same thing. Right? So I got used to using that word. That's funny. I dated an English guy for I don't know five years um, when I lived up in San Jose, like during the eighties, and so I was back and forth to London all the time. So that word didn't mean a thing to me. I mean, whatever. <laughs> See, you're used to it. So you, you get called it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, see so you let, next Tuesday. <laughs> so right. uh, let me ask you: You uh, are also the owner of uh, Mallwood USA, who, which is a manufacturer of hydraulic clutch pedals in your hometown. How did that? Yeah. Come about? Um, so I they brought me to Australia to do the Motor X show, and I was signing autographs in um, this guy's booth, Mal Malcolm Wood, and um, so his he's Malwood, and he. That's actually his idea, that clutch pedal being under the dash, how it is. So we make a hydraulic clutch pedal kit that bolts to the bracket under your dash so there's no modifications or anything. Um, and it's just a bolt-in, really simple system. Most of the systems out there, you'll see that they bolt to the firewall. They have linkage linking to the master. Ours is a one-to-one right on the pedal, one-to-one ratio, just no linkage, nothing to adjust. It's, it's like, and so when I saw that in in Mal in Malwood's booth over there in Australia, he was making them for the Holdens and the Utes and all those Australian cars over there. And so I asked him, I said, "Hey, do you mind if I, you know, design these off your system in in America and do them for the left hand?" And he was like, "Yeah, we made a deal." I told him, "I'll buy my master cylinders." They're proprietary through Malwood, and uh, so I buy those from him, and then I I designed all the all the clutch pedals you see on my website are designed over here in Iowa. Like not, he didn't, you know, it's his idea. So that's why I named the company after him. I said, yeah. look, I'm, you know, I'm gonna use the Malwood name out of respect for your idea, you know. Well, that's but cool. it's taking a lot to design them because we want them to be year make model specific and just bolt right in and that you know it's, it takes some work it would it would take an engineer to copy that and things are going pretty good uh kind of spectacular this year they nice um, the word's kind of getting out i think people are starting to hear about it and so and to be honest in the last two months it's just blown up and um yeah it was you know it's kind of been word of mouth i haven't done any advertising at all and so you know it's like if if you hear about it from a friend that's how you heard about it and so I, it, it kind of was good because i let the, the the company do grow slowly you know so i didn't have to take out a bunch of loans but um all every performance i think did a write-up about us uh i don't know if it's out yet but 
but I have this feeling that that's that it's going to blow up once once that comes out. No, that's good. Oh, well, and and, 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 this podcast. and with, with our fifteen listeners, yeah. uh, we'll be able to get you. <laughs> we'll get you some exposure. Yeah. So no, it's it's malwoodusa.com. One of your listeners to buy one. Yeah. No, I mean. Uh, uh, so it's m a it's m a l wood usa dot com, right? Correct. Yes. Yep, Malwood USA. Nice. Yeah, we're looking well, at the cool. hydraulic underdash kits right now. On the yeah, website. Steve's gonna put one on his Malibu. It's a, <laughs> do you make it for a two thousand five Malibu? Not a not yep. not, no, not a not I a sixties Malibu. Yeah. This is the this is the not cool Malibu. Yeah. He's like he's got the hey, rental thanks, Chris. the thanks. rental car Malibu. <laughs> nice. Yeah, scariest car. Oh, that's cool. I would like to see if it works. No, we may. I mean, we do trucks, we do Corvettes, we do Mopars. Now we're just starting the Mopars. It's funny we did Mopar last, and that's my favorite. But that's what I did. Favorite one, and now save it for last. Well, yeah, that's like everybody goes. Yeah. You know, what wheels do you have on your car? And it's like, uh, haven't haven't built them for myself yet. (laughs) You know. Right. No, that's totally cool. Yeah, so all that's, that I mean, time with Mike, and he never made me wheels. I can't believe it. Really? Ugh. Oh man. Wouldn't you think there would be a Sherry right. design? There would be, and and you Whatever. and you you actually, I mean, you were working with Mike for a little bit when you were. Dude, when you guys there, were dating. there's now yeah. it's your opportunity to come up with a wheel yep. called the Senator. I can tell you that. There you go. I talked him into opening that machine shop, and like. Scraped off all the tiles. I probably poisoned myself scraping asbestos. Like we set up that top together. Yeah. And um, he he kept saying no, no, no. I shouldn't do it. And he had all these reasons why. And I I finally just bullied him into it. Like do it. And so. Well, there's, yeah. There's probably I'm glad I did because it worked out. Oh, for sure. And there's probably some days he wants to to blame you for that, but then I'm sure most days he's probably oh, yeah. very thankful that you did that. <laughs> You know, yeah, because you well, know how it goes. As small business owners, some days, some days are good, some days aren't. But you know what? You just keep pushing forward, man. That's you right. Know? I'm going through the same thing right now. Yeah, man. just keep, I, keep... I haven't hired any employees yet, so. Well, that's the yeah. F- oh, just wait. Well, you're not in California, so you're okay. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work, but but yeah, I mean, what else would he have done with his life? Come on. Yeah, no, you set him on the right path. Well, and you know what? I mean, uh, I he's like good. to take all the credit. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and he's, he's he's good at what he does, and him and I have a good relationship. Uh, and he does he he machines a lot of parts for me, you know. And yeah, hey, I would I'm, say hands down best machinist. Yep. Yep. Don't and, you think? I really do. Yeah, he's and, and he's like super good. He's three doors down from me. Uh, I see him almost every day. So, yeah. The Orange Depot Center, yeah. taking it over. What? Are, yeah, Orange Depot. Orange Depot. Yeah, we used to ride bikes around there. Wait, so what are you doing in that building? What do you have going on? So I have, um, yeah, right now I have um, just my wheel shop. Basically, Mike does all the machining for me. Uh, I use another machine shop as well. Um, but then we we do all the all the assembly, final detail, boxing. Uh, all the wheel repair, uh, we do. Well, I'm in unit M, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in unit M where Thomas used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Thomas moved. He was fi- trying to find a reason to move out to build a shop at his house, and I said, "Hey, I need to move somewhere," um, and I moved in. Nice. So then, yeah, then I had all all my personal stuff and 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 my. Tr- 
cars and stuff. So I move. I I'm renting I'm renting a uh, unit F as well. So I got. Oh uh, yeah, of I, course. I got unit F. <laughs> so, yep, F and M. I love it. Well, makes me miss home a little bit. Yeah. No, it was cool because then you well, went. Then before you went back east, you worked for Wheelsmith for a minute too, right? Yeah, yeah, I was there for I don't know a year or something. Okay. And uh, so I worked for Wheelsmith for all that time, and then um, that's when Chip called me one day and was like, "We're going back. We're doing overhauling again." So that was like another three years of overhauling after I worked at Wheelsmith. That's cool. So did you? Yeah. What, um, and you know, overhauling was set up a little differently than most of the reality show, like you know, like my dad's show and America Chopper and stuff. So um, it probably, I mean, your time frames were probably not that fun. But no, draw, draw I, and you know, and I'll be honest. Uh, this disclaimer: I don't know. I've probably maybe watched one or two overhauling episodes all the way through. Like I was never really. Well, into... you're you're probably just watching to see your favorite rock and roll star. That's yeah. that was that, that exactly, you know. <laughs> no, you know what we so we worked seven days in a row, and we worked literally nineteen hours a day, and you you know you go home get four or five hours sleep and come back every day. Yeah, that's because crazy. it was supposed to be a seven day build, and that's how I started was. 19 hours a day and it just killed me it was so hard and then then years later down the road we got a different production company and and then it was it was like a 10 hour day instead of the 19 hours because um chip's wife was getting a little tired of it like and so um so then it was easy we still we still did the time frame like we 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 counted out the hours that it would take to build it in seven days. We just did it over a longer period, but that same amount of hours, you know, yeah, as we used to put in. So it was a little easier. But those first, like, the first, like, 40 shows, 40 cars that I built with them, it was 19-hour days. It sucked. It was, it was seven days of, of fun torture. You know, like, the hours sucked, but the, the job, you know, you didn't really feel like you were working because you got 25 different people in that shop that are, you know, car builders just like you. And, you know, and so you're learning something from them. Like if you were to come build with us, I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff that you would have showed me. I didn't know, you know, so you're just, you know, it's like if you're, they always say if you're doing what you love. And so I was, and so the 19 hours just kind of flew by. That's cool. I mean, so, I mean, it sounds like maybe at times you got a little burnout on it, but it's, you know, like the, it, you're building cars at the end of the day, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Know. At the end of the day, you're building the car. And then at the end of every week, like you're meeting that whoever you're giving the car to is usually like a super good person that does something for other people. Or maybe they went through something like people that got put in wheelchairs or whatever, and you're building a wheelchair equipped like with hand controls and everything for this 21 year old kid. And you meet his family and this, you know, his dad it comes in the shop watching you build it and it's going to be this big surprise. And then at the end of the week, here comes that kid and you're giving this 21-year-old kid who's stuck in a wheelchair for the rest of his life and you're giving him the ability to drive that GTO that he was building that he couldn't finish building and he can roll up 
attach his wheelchair to the bracket, flip himself into the car, flip the wheelchair in the back seat, and go pick up his date. You know, that's awesome. And and be independent. And and then his dad stands there, and they you know on the show they give him the opportunity, and then his dad just starts crying. You know, and telling you like you don't know what this means, and you know, so every week you just cry out of happiness. You know, yeah. show us all on the show. If you watch the show, you know, at the end, everybody's crying. And, and it was just, it was real. It was like, damn, we just did that for somebody who's super cool. And yeah, it was pretty much the best job I ever had. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool when you can, you know, you know, I mean, that's, I, I've watched, my dad had, had dealt with like Make-A-Wish over the years and stuff and just watching just, just somebody just getting so excited about something that we do every day, you know, and just, yeah. but like, they're not, you know, they either have a short time to live or like you said, like you're giving somebody, you know, mobility, right. You're changing someone's life. It's just, yeah. uh, it kind of puts things into perspective. It's like, you know, that's a, that's awesome though. That's, you know, it feels good. And it just made, you know, it's like happy cry, but what, so, so what did boy do with the Make a Wish Foundation? Did the kids wanted to come there? Yeah, we had um, early on. This is like this is in the I want to say the eighties. There, the and I I don't know how long the Make a Wish Foundation was around at that point, but it seemed like it was something new. And there was um, uh, they reached out to my dad, and my dad was kind of like the point person. But they said this guy he's got cystic fibrosis and it's not looking good. But he's he's followed you and he gets the hot rod magazine street rider magazine every month and so they coordinated to where i mean they they came down i want to say for a week and every day and and all you know the kid's condition at the time he was his brain wanted to do more than his body would let him right so i just remember them scheduling this thing out for over a week and you know they, they did everything from just taking them in hot rods uh you know uh Ferrari uh, of North America had a had a spot over there in Cyprus, just a couple miles from the shop. And my dad at that point was doing some touch up work and repainting on Ferraris. And man, they had that's when the Testarossa came out. And one of those guys took the kid on the freeway going 140 miles an hour, and just 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 little stuff like that, going to all the hot rod shops around. And and my dad just really that had been it 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 was it was cool. It was cool to see because I was young at the time, but. You know, my dad always made it a point to uh, he worked with California Elwin out here in Fountain Valley and they take, uh, you know, they take uh, mentally handicapped people, uh, a lot of Down syndrome people, and they train them to do jobs. And then my my dad would always hire those people. And it was always a joy. And I remember at every little banquet or luncheon, my dad would always have these like special awards for them, you know, and just, you know. Okay, so Tom. Yeah, Tom. That, there you go. Name? So, so Tom Purinton, uh, yeah. who is actually, I think he's still. I just talked to Mike not too long ago. I think Tom is still alive. Uh, yeah, no. Tom used to come. So, so Mike and I would go pick up Tom, and we would bring him for Thanksgiving and Christmas to the house at Easter. Yeah, like not Christmas because we would leave to Colorado, but but Thanksgiving and Easter we go pick up Tom and and bring him to the house Dude, and. He, uh, yeah, no, and and he was uh, I awesome. think he was great. Between Mike and Dwayne, they they 
they had Tom covered like on most holidays, like picking him up and stuff. And really, yeah, Dwayne yeah. Dwayne uh, brought him to. Uh, we had a couple Boyd Memori- Memorial barbecues that uh, Dwayne picked him up and brought mm-hmm. him over there. Yeah, dude, that guy was crazy. He was like, a he cool was, guy. I mean, dude, but, you know, I have to say, he he would he would make. He like on Thanksgiving, he'd make it the best day, but he'd also ruin Thanksgiving <laughs> oh. because oh. he would come in and and he had a tick where he would just repeat things over and over. Oh my gosh! And so you'd spend the entire Thanksgiving and and so you know just he would repeat whatever whatever it got in his mind that day. Oh, and, and then, um, talk about diehard batteries. One time, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, he his he if you you could get him wound up like he hated Mazdas. He's like, Chris, you're not, you don't want to go to buy one of them junky Mazdas, are you? And I go, no. And, and he goes, and then he would always ask you, hey, Chris, does your truck have a diehard battery? It's got to have a diehard battery, Chris. <laughs> and he, this, this guy, uh, he was really good between like 40s and 60s cars, right? Any car, yeah. He, this guy couldn't tell you his last name or where he lives, but he could tell you the year, make, and model of any car. It was amazing. I love you so much. Yeah, and, and it was like I don't know what his diagnosis was, but I think it was kind of like I don't know something maybe happened at birth. They said, you know, maybe got asphyxiated oh, really? or something. But yeah. he, yeah, so much fun. Yeah, crazy, right? Oh man, there's so much stories with those guys, yeah. you know. But my dad always like because oh, you don't yelling not, at George. Oh, George! Yeah, yeah, no, yeah the, the, nobody's the crow. Get these jokes Every crow. Me, that's okay. What's that? I said nobody will get these jokes, but you no. and me because we know Tom. But but it is like the sweetest thing that your got your dad hired him. You know, like oh, he yeah. took him on because you know that's that's work. You know, that's what you got to take care of Tom. He's a sweet guy. You know. But, oh yeah, all those guys, and it's because you know my dad just because my dad would get burned out because my dad would just like you know I just he would do stuff for people and and people would just ask for more and you know just to beat you up but these guys i mean you give tom a donut or something in the morning man he he'd be the most appreciative dude like for the rest of the day you yeah know? or give him a little a little yeah. award and then he goes my dad says because you know what it doesn't take much like these guys uh, yeah what it was more like he goes it doesn't take much to make these guys happy and, he, and my dad would say you know what sometimes like that's like the important shit you know like all these cars, right. air, air, all these cars, and everything. At the end of the day, if you can't just be happy about simple stuff, you're just getting too too wound up in it, you know. And I mean, and that's the thing people don't know about your dad. And I try to tell them. People always say, "Oh, you know, Overhaul was great. That boy, he was such a bad guy, you know." And they just say something, they call him a name, and I say, "That's not true." I'm like, "That's editing." And I say, "You don't know oh. half half of what this oh. guy did for people." Oh yeah, and what a good person he was, you know. And then I tell him about Tom, and I tell him about different things, and explain how the show is edited, you know. Where, oh yeah, you well, know, you might say like, "We're never doing this again," and then you come back five minutes later and you say, "Yeah, actually, we could." And they didn't, you know, this edit that part out. So the part where your dad was being cool, sometimes they were trying to turn him into the the villain of the show, you know. Oh, for sure, and that's why I was when I was talking about the differences in overhauling, and then the like the American Hot Rod, American Chopper, some of these shows that just trying to have drama. Or they go, "Hey, uh, we need you to go back and say that again, but say it like this." You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, come on. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah. it, yeah, and you know what? People would people would make comments, especially early on, um, and they would go like, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, I don't know your, your dad. Like, listen, let me follow you around with a camera for for a hundred hours, 
and let me edit it down to 44 minutes and I will make you look however I want you to look. Right? I mean, it's just... No, that's politics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's why I'm so careful about everything I say in my interviews with politics. It's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, I know. I mean, so... Yeah, so as a state representative, you spend most of your time then uh, when you're in session, where you spend your time at? Well, so so we just go up like four days a week. We'll go Monday through Thursday. And so I kind of spend my time between there and the shop. So now um, this is kind of, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I have all that time to work at the shop, and then I go back up to the Capitol for four days. But we only... We only go till you know May, uh, end of April, May first. Uh, that's it. Session's over, and then, and then continue on. So I kind of try to to get everything done at the shop before I before I start session. So when get all you're geared up, when you're working at at the state level, um, I mean, what wh- what kind of, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of. What sort of bills do we pass? There you go. Yeah. Like, what, what's the, t- like yeah. in Iowa, I mean, I, 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 I know what's going on in California, but, um, yeah. What does Iowa address? I mean, you got uh, a lot of corn, a lot of, a lot of pigs. <laughs> you know, corn, it's an agricultural pigs, state, big time. Yeah. We got a lot of ag here. And, you know, we try to, to help the ag industry by, you know, being friendly to them so that, you know, I mean, it kind of runs the state. So, um, try to help our ag people out, but there's some, you know, like we just had a very controversial bill go through, um, this on Monday and it was uh, school choice. So it was now you can, you know, everybody gets a free education in this country. You yeah. go to public school. Well, if you go to a private school, then you don't get a free educa- education. Your parents have to pay for it. Yeah. So we made it to where some of the money would be in a, educational savings account for for people who wanted to send their kids to private school well at least the state pays for some of it um and so anyway it was super controversial people were like screaming and yelling and yeah and uh so i mean they're opposed yeah i mean it it makes it it, in some level it makes sense like if you if you decide i mean there's money set aside for your kid for the public system yeah so on some level if you decide to not use that public service that who with that money where's it go right yeah and that's and so that's the kind of debate is like well you decided to 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 go to this other school instead of what the the government provides so you don't get any money and people would argue you know we're just giving money to rich people because they go to the private schools well in reality some some families who don't have a lot of money would like to get out of that public school that's shoving CRT down their throat or yes. has these crazy books with naked people in them and oh, pedophiles. Sure. And, yeah, and, so and they it, just want to switch. It, it works both know? ways because those rich people could also say, go to public school. And then people could say, well, they can afford to go to private school. But it's like, no, that's not how this works. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's why I try to tell them. Like, there are tons of rich kids in private, I mean, in public schools oh, absolutely. as well. Like, some rich people decide to take the free school, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it so, does it does become a slippery slope because then you have the people that, what happens to the people that pay the taxes that decide not to have kids, right? And then those exactly. people chime in. Yeah. I, but you know what? Uh, yeah. That's a, that could be a yeah. large a large debate. Now, um, I'm going to bring something up because I think California gets a lot of its uh, pork products from Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. So Yes, Cal- you do. Yeah, California, though, 
uh, introduce something, and that's why it's hitting us with the whole egg shortage, uh, and and with the with, with bacon prices that California passed. I forget the name of the the bill, um, but it it's it just went into effect 100 percent uh, in January first. January first, yeah, where. You have like we can only buy from suppliers that give X amount of space. Yeah, yeah. To uh, poultry, it's kind of like humane housing for the pigs. Kinda. Yeah, something like that. But going into the going into summer, I remember they talked about only five percent of all suppliers of pork were complying with this new law, and I, I want to say it was some crazy number, like thirty percent of all pork in California gets is getting from uh, received from Iowa. It's something crazy like that. So thirty thirty percent gets what? I think I think California gets a, a large of number of of pork from Iowa. I'm certain they do. There's more pigs in Iowa than humans, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm looking up the law right now, and it's, it's uh, this is a U.S. Supreme Court fight over it. Really? Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I know some hog be, farmers. I'm going to have to ask them about it. Yeah, because. You know, uh, California is, I mean, we're like the seventh largest economy in the world and we're a huge consumer, but it's like people are already getting hit here in California, like on the economy. Inflation's crazy. Then you have these laws that are passed and it's like, you know, they talk about, they're, they're trying to throw this uh, this egg thing on bird flu, which bird flu is, 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 is affecting it, but it's ex- exacerbated by the fact that, no, only 30% of all poultry and uh, suppliers were complying with our new laws. So it's like, well, that's why eggs are 10 bucks a dozen right now. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, I get, uh, I'm just going to make you jealous because I get free eggs. Oh, the, you got the, chickens? So the guy who does my welding for Malwood has like 40 chickens. Oh. You, so we just go over there and grab them chicken eggs. You know what? That's baller <laughs> status in 2023. That's like wow. That's right. I'm balling. Oh, over here, man. You got. You <laughs> I saw a <laughs> meme. It said something eggs. like, "In 2023, I just want to find a woman that can what was it, catch a chicken or something, or has chickens or something." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you just want to marry a chicken farmer. Yeah, a chicken do. farmer. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, and and California is uh, is rough uh, climate wise, but uh, you know, uh, politically climate, I should say, not. You know, Weather-wise, yeah, the that's political they... uh, climate in California is horrifying, and it, I, I mean, the the laws that they pass there, and then those laws start to travel across the country, you know, and you know they want all electric cars. That's going to put all of us out of business. You oh, know, this sure. whole industry is is in peril if California gets its way. They want, you know. Well, and it's the RPM laws that I'm fighting against. Those are, you know, those are at the federal level. I should have run for Congress and gone to D.C. because the RPM laws already are on the books. And if they wanted to enforce them, we'd be done. But we wouldn't be able to do any aftermarket auto parts. Yeah. And that's crazy. But also, too, but uh, on the on the positive side of things, I forget what the, the, the law was that they passed that for small builders under 400 vehicles a year that are exempt from federal safety regula- regulations, right? Which allows all these small builders that are doing all the kit cars to thrive. So yeah. that's cool. That I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. What about the bigger guys? You know, once you start growing, it's like, oh. Okay. Oh yeah, no, that's that's the thing is, and so these these uh, yeah, so that company, what they're gonna just say at four hundred cars, they're gonna say, hey, we can't sell you another car. Yeah, yeah I mean, and sell the business to his son, half of it. Yeah, or start up another half. company, or it's just a mess. <laughs> yeah, start another company. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not opposed to electric cars. I think. I think to re- rejuvenate a lot of the hot rod industry, I think that technology is going to help push that. Um, but to think that we're going to, you know, by 2035, every new vehicle sold in California is going to be an electric car, I think you're dreaming. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, and people don't want that. So what are you doing? You're yeah, shoving we, it down people's throats. We don't. People love hot rods. Yeah, we, yeah. And we don't have the infrastructure. And you know what? Uh, I mean, we, we, you and I come at it from like the hot rod aftermarket angle, but let's talk about just like in California, how expensive it is. Like in, in orange right now, you can't get into a two bedroom apartment for, you know, in an area that is safe that you want to live in for, you know, 2,800 bucks, three grand a month. Oh my God. No, it's crazy. It's absolutely, it's it's absolutely insane. Yeah. So Okay, let's just take that. So that person who's crammed in an apartment and they're working class people, uh, right now, I mean, for the next foreseeable future, a, a used gasoline car is is what they're going to be driving. You know, a f- five to exactly. ten five to ten thousand dollar car because these battery re- the replacement to replace batteries on an older. Let's say you go, oh yeah, what are you going to get an older Prius and you're going to spend eight or nine grand in batteries or more? I don't even know. Some of these stories you hear about. Some well, I'm batteries. certain there's no batteries that fit an electric car. You know, anything that's over six, seven years, like where are you going to get those batteries? I'm certain, I mean, I don't know this, but I'm just thinking oh, they got to be doing planned obsolescence on these cars and and making those parts obsolete very fast. Yeah. Because even on a, you know, you you're not going to find a '96 vehicle that you can find parts for i'm i'm guessing i don't drive those but yeah well i mean yeah planned obsolescence it's kind of like our cell phones you know it's amazing that as soon as your contract's up ah, my phone's not working you know or my battery's <laughs> dying you know ah, how convenient yeah. how convenient why has my phone stopped working well you, you've, you've done all the updates you can do you're gonna have to just buy another one exactly because they they have you you're, you're out of your contract and now hey we can get you we can finance another phone for you yeah, it's uh, exactly, and I, yeah, go ahead. That's why I sound weird on this phone right now. I only, I only paid a thousand dollars for this phone, so a thousand. I'm sorry isn't about the crazy? technology; it's not so isn't, great at a thousand. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> the, even the average kid has a five to seven hundred dollar phone in their pocket. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. How that was the, the price of my first car. Yeah, right. I think I my first car was, uh, and I think my dad might have been punishing me because I had a. 80 what was it 86 v6 camaro it was gold and i paid twenty eight hundred dollars <laughs> and i mean i i mean no who who he was i remember driving it to the shop and all the guys at the shop were all a v6 camaro get the shit come on what <laughs> so i don't know oh, it, i like it it's <laughs> it did all right it did all right you know i didn't know your dad played practical jokes like that yeah i know right i was like come on dad you know, I don't know. He, he, he Mine helped. was a Cougar XR7, 1970. Oh, wow. Not bad. Yeah. It's all right. Better, I think. Yeah, I kept that car for a long time. Better than I did. Yeah. But I mean, he helped me 
help me get into some other cool cars after that. I'm um, sure. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, you know, him and Greg did a lot of cars together. That was fun. Good times back then, you know. Nice. What are you driving now? I'm not even gonna say. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't have. A, I don't have. A, oh, I'm building a '68 GTS, a Mopar, and I got a Model T in my shop that's slowly getting built. But I've just got a, a daily driver, a little Jeep Grand Cherokee. You know what? There's nothing wrong with a good, reliable daily driver. Yeah, I had to have something because it snows out here. I don't want to get stuck in the snow. Yeah, that. How is is how has the storms been treating you? I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> I actually love snow, so I'm good. There's snow on the ground right now. Cold is all get out. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Br- uh, our guy Brad Elliott at Podium Inc. He's out of Mount Air, Iowa. You know where that's? Oh at? yeah. Yeah, that's that I don't really is, know where that is, but the name sounds familiar. Yeah, it is it is a small town. I when I went to the Des Moines Good Guy show three, four years ago, um, I drove over to his his place and it is it's like a town out of Norman Rockwell painting. It's got the right? the, the town hall, the square, you know, it's got the the building in the middle there and, and all the little shops around yep. it. It's cool. Yeah, there's one in every town here. I feel like this, you know, down in Missouri, it doesn't really feel like you're thrown back in the, you know, but, but here in Iowa, I mean, definitely everything's old school. There's town squares everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of cool. You know what? Um, It's kind of, I mean, weather aside, it, it is, it is kind of a better pace of life on some aspect than, than what we're dealing with over here. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, Iowa nice is a real thing. People out here are really Iowa nice. It's it's, it's cool. Iowa nights. Iowa nice. Oh, nice. They say, yeah, we're nice people. Oh yeah, no, I mean, uh, there's. That's what they you, say. They say there's nice, and then there's Iowa nice. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I got a good vibe uh, when I was in Iowa. You know, once you get out of the big cities. You know, I don't know what it is about big cities. I think it's because people are always, you know, just like uh, in a couple hours, I got to go to my daughter's soccer game, and I, you always got to think like, oh, what's the traffic going to be like? You know, oh, it's only yeah, it's only nineteen miles away, but it could it can it can take forty five minutes if yeah. you catch it. And it's just when like, I used to work in Compton, it would take me uh, if you drove there on a Sunday, no traffic, it was fifteen minutes drive, and it would take me two hours to get back home. Oh yeah, and on a you know on a weekday traffic, it was a nightmare. Oh yeah, no we. But uh, it was only fifteen minutes away. Yeah, one of the polish shops we were using was in Compton up until a few months ago, and yeah, it was one of those things. They close it at at two thirty, but even if it's after one o'clock, like you don't want to drive out there. You just yeah, you know it's not that far. I mean, you leave at six in the morning, you could be there and back in an hour. But if you left at one, yeah, it's easily there and back in two hours. Yeah, it's yeah, an it's all a, day affair driving over there. It's uh yeah, I don't know. I, I I've been doing this California rat race for forty almost forty nine years, so I don't know. I'm over it, but you just keep going, it. man. Yeah. It's worth it. 
Well, you're at the Orange Depot. You're, you got it. The Orange Depot, Orange Depot Center. Yeah, you know what? Uh, when's the last time you've been to Orange? To Orange? Yeah. Oh, I came out. I visited my old shop out there because I I had my shop after I left uh, my school shop. I went over and um, by the Swedes over there. I had the shop across the way. You know where all the Swedish guys no. do import export over there. Where where at? What city? In Orange? In Orange. Huh. What streets was it on? Uh, it was over by Orange Hardware. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they yeah. still in that parking lot? Yeah, I was in that in that same group of shops right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, with that uh, guy, was that guy Donnie over there, the diesel guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he still there. over there. I was there. There's a bunch of Swedish guys that would um, ship back classic cars. Okay. And um, and uh, so they were right across from me. And uh, so I've been Sweden. You, have you gone to the Power Big Meats over there in Sweden? No, I've never been to Sweden. It's called. All right, this is the show you got to go to. It's the all, my all-time favorite. It's called Power Big Meats, and and it's in Sweden. And there are over twenty thousand cars. When you pull in, wow. they inspect your car because you have to have an American car. Okay. So twenty thousand American cars in Sweden. Insanity. That's crazy. They shut down. It's, it's a little town called Vastaros. That's how you say it. Vastaros. And the, if the whole town is just packed full. You can't. It, 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 it's more traffic than you've ever seen, but every single car is an American classic car. That's pretty car. wild because you got to look at the population of that, of that country and you go, that's probably every American car in that country in one spot at one time. Yeah. And people come from all around, from Finland, from all the different European com- countries around there. They all come pouring in. Wow. But it's just, you have to get in a helicopter to see the show. Like, That's I don't crazy. know what the biggest show in America is, but it's 20,000 cars over there well, when I went. You know, I know street art nationals would fluctuate like from like eleven to 13,000 cars in a year, uh, in, yeah. a, in, in a weekend. Um, I'm sure maybe like, I don't know, back to the 50s or uh, like, hot august nights or those things probably harder to put a finger on the number but those probably have a ton of cars but twenty thousand is no joke yeah it is well, i think it's the biggest car show in the world like it that's crazy it literally was insanity but but just every I mean, you can't imagine all the different cars and i was i was asking you know like how did this happen so i guess after the war all the german you know they used to buy cars from germany that was like the big deal. Yeah. And after the war, all those manufacturing plants were destroyed in the war. And so there, that was all there was, was American cars. Like England didn't have anything, you know, yeah. over there. So that's how all the American cars, you know, the, the, the lion's share of them got over there. But now they're importing them like crazy. That's crazy. Well, and you know, uh, cool. ever since I was young, I mean, there was those a group of uh, Swedish guys that my dad employed, and you know some of them I think still maybe work for Chip, but um, yeah, it was it was like these Swedish guys. Their culture just was like I remember back then. Yeah. They, these were like I was like, wait, these are like Swedish biker hot rod guys. I'm all that's yeah. crazy. And you know yeah. what? I, I, it's and, that same group. It's all those guys. It's, yeah, and, you know. and it's like. The culture there is different, um, and you know Australia same way. I always felt like Australia is like America, but like twenty years behind. You know? Yeah, 
That's exactly how right. I mean, they're just they're over there. I think they're still rocking mullets and stuff like that. No, yeah. they're cool. <laughs> no, they're cool. I mean, I, just the car culture is awesome over there. And you know, um, yeah. yeah, all around the world. I mean, it's been some time. But Joanne and I went to. Uh, we got invited to go to a car show in Belgium. That was interesting. That was kind of not a very big show, but. You know, just to see some American cars there. And, it's cool. It's yeah. just cool to see how other people are doing it, you know? Yeah, and and that's what's it's kind of sad. California, I mean, it's it's still, California is still a weird place because um, you, you, you talk, if you, if you just listen to the news or, or, or you're only in on the, the, the media end of like what's happening, like, you know, getting rid of cars and all this other stuff, you, you think there was nothing here. You know the Rubies up in Whittier on a Friday night during summer, they'll get three, four hundred cars every Friday. Yeah, and it's like that's a huge show. I mean, that's a that's a huge free show, you know. And yeah. So we still and you know we have and the Bob's Big Boy on Friday night. Oh yeah, we go to Bob's Big Boy over there, in but, Hollywood. Yeah. And now there's there's you know cars and coffee started out in like donut derelicts. Yeah, yeah, donut derelicts is still still popping. You know, so it's crazy. It's the, the it's just you know what it is the industry the, the 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 all the companies have moved away you know yeah it's okay just, here's one that i i always tell this in interviews and i'm waiting for it to get back to thomas but but i always say don't tell thomas but he used to park his his uh 34 yeah is that what he has a 34, 34. The one, yeah yeah so he he was parking it at the orange depot he would leave it out front every night and I discovered that he was just parking it there with the keys in it. Really? And, and I thought, well, this is great because I don't really have a car at the time to take down to the donut derelicts, the, the donut shop. I thought, but I would love to take his car down there. And I, and so one morning I got up early and, you know, like whatever, six in the morning or whatever. And I, so I got in his car, the keys are in it. All right. So I took it down to the donut shop. And the thing was that, Everybody at the donut shop knew that car. Oh, that's like, funny. They were like, "Oh, this car has never been here." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I, and then by coincidence, I was driving it back to the shop, and all of a sudden, the phone, my cell phone, started ringing. It's Thomas, and I was like, "Oh, I'm busted. I'm totally busted." And so I pull over, and I'm like, "Hey," he's like, "You want to go to breakfast?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and I'm waiting for him to tell me that he knows. He had no idea. I took his car back to the shop, dropped it off, got in my truck, and drove up to <laughs> eat breakfast. So he does I never, never told him. He, he never, so like, it, so is this it? This this is the first time this has been told. Well, well, yeah, because uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he knows. He, I don't think he ever knew. That's funny. I guess that's Grand Theft Auto, isn't it? I shouldn't really be telling that. No, but Statue of Limitations is up. That was years ago. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? I'm sure yeah. he, he left the keys in it for a reason. He yeah, hoping- he's let me borrow his, car, his all kinds of... That gold... Uh, I don't even know what year that is. He's got that, that gold hot rod. Uh, which 32. one? Oh, okay. It was a coupe with fenders. Well, I, I still remember. I still remember him, like him. You know, he used to drive that uh, his M series Beamer, like he was the transporter, like yeah. the J- Jason Statham <laughs> movies. You know, and yeah, I just remember 
one day he was doing donuts in like this small area and we were all watching them. And I think the TV crew was there and my mom came out. She came unglued. She's like, what <laughs> in the hell are you doing? He's like, what, what? And he always plays dumb. Like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. What? I'm doing, what? I'm doing what burnouts. Are you, what are you talking about? Diane, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. We were coming through, uh, it was me and him, and it was uh, Dan Sobieski, and we were coming back from Bonneville, and I was doing like 100 and something in this rental car, and we came around this turn, and this cop pulled us over. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's it. I'm getting a big ticket. The first thing Thomas says, he's in the passenger seat, rolled down the window, you're not going to give us a ticket, are you? And, with, you know, and I go, oh, yeah. gee, shut <laughs> up. Yeah, that was a weird one. I got a $25 non-moving violation speeding ticket what yeah go figure that one out 25 dollars, and I, yeah. I i go because i got the thing in the mail and i was from nevada state of nevada and i was like 25 dollar what okay it never hit my it never hit my insurance at all so that'd be funny but yeah we had a, a, a lot of adventures there i've been trying to get thomas on the on the, the podcast but i don't know we see him and I could have done it together. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Then he would, uh, he probably knew. He probably knew that whole story, though. I don't think he knows. No? Well, I won't tell him. No. Let's just see if he ever that one, listens to the podcast or has someone tell him the story. Yeah, he's probably listening right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got a lot of secrets from Thomas because he was in that shop the whole time I was in the yeah, shop. Yeah, he, he was here for a while. I still get his mail here. Yeah, because I, get... I rented this, this shop on the end, and was building cars in there. And when, because that was originally Mike's shop. Yeah, unit R. And he moved down to the other shop, and then so I was renting the one on the other end from where his shop is now. Yeah, and, you were. Well, yeah, you know, and you were in, in unit in B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unit B. I don't even remember the. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That, and that's. Uh, I was in there for. That's for some time. Yeah, that's Mike's polish shop now. It's what? It's Mike's polish shop. Your polish shop. Yeah, that's, that's it. after I left and it was polish shop. Yeah, and it's it looks like a polish shop. Which for yeah. those of you that don't it know, was, polish shop. It was shops, bad when I left. That's it, another fifteen years of polish. Polish shops are the dirtiest crazy. spots. It's it's the necessary evil of our business. Exactly. It's like we need it desperately, but no one wants to do it. And uh but it's what makes everything pretty and shiny. That's right. Yep. Well, Sherry, yeah. I think we're going to wind things up. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad we finally got to coordinate this. Listen, I had a great time catching yeah. up with you. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I know. Old, it's a time. It for sure. And man, you had a, do you know what? Um, got exciting life so far, right? Oh, yeah, we covered about half of it, so I can come back on. We'll yeah. talk about the other half. Well, and you know what? <laughs> what I did. Yeah, if there's anything. And you know what? Um, yeah, because, I mean, we could go down the political rabbit hole for a long time, but you know what? Um, keep us in mind because, I, you know, I'd like to be a little bit more uh, active, even if it's just getting the word out on some of the stuff, like you talk about the RPM stuff, and um, maybe we can set aside at some time just to talk about that, you know? Okay, yeah, we can do a uh, full automotive political hour. Yeah. And you know what? I'd, I'd <laughs> like to, yeah, and I'd like to get you on or I mean, get somebody get somebody from SEMA on too, you know? 
Yeah, we'll get the FEMA pack guys on here. Yeah, and because we, you know, I think uh, the, the political stuff can get a lot, uh, get pretty boring. I mean, you know, a lot of people's, the, the, the depth of, of where they dive into politics is just like a, a Joe Biden meme or something or a Trump meme, you know, um, or they get pissed off at a headline. It's, you know, very rarely do people jump into stuff until it really affects them. But, yeah, you know, there's just stuff in the political climate in a lot of states, uh, even on a federal level, that are going to f- affect us, you know. Um, yep. And in, in the electric car Comes thing, down I, the I don't think we should be afraid of the electric car thing because people are still going to want to soup things up and fix them up. And, you know, um, it's still going to be a part of, of our world. But um, but we got we got to protect our hobby, too. Exactly. We just got to protect it while we let everything move into the future. But, but uh, yeah, we got to definitely protect it. You think, you know, Jay Leno's got to step up and start helping us protect it. I think he'll jump in. Yeah. Well, you know what? So, I think but, we all start putting the word out there, you know, um, a little bit at a time and like, you know, make it happen. I think you're, you're, you're in the right spot, you know, you're in the, in the right spot. I and think, I think so. that, Think you got the you got maybe the, I'll go to Congress next. We'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, that'd be cool, right? <laughs> right on. Well, um, is there anything else that you got? Anything else coming up that you want to plug or anything? just just the Malwood USA stuff right now? That's Malwood. It. It's, yeah, MalwoodUSA.com. Keep on checking on that and check it out. Yeah, we're excited. Are you going to be so? Um, will you be going to SEMA with the product or no? Not with the car, but um, I'll definitely be out there again. I was out there this year, and, and um, you know, I think Steam Pack will probably bring me back out. But, um, you know, I just kind of walked around and talked to a bunch of car builders about it. And and, uh, and I met up with the guys from All Chevy Performance. And and uh, so I'll be out there running around. I'll cool. see you out there. Well, um, yeah, let's stay in touch, and uh, maybe we'll catch you at a good guy show or something. Yeah, if you come to Good Guys in Des Moines, uh, give us a give us a holler, as I'm they cons- say in Iowa. Definitely considering it. Yep. And then, um, but yeah, no, it was great talking to you. It was awesome. I've been looking forward to it. You too. I had fun. All right, you have a good weekend. All right, thanks. All right, talk, talk to you later, Chris. Bye. Okay, bye. On behalf sure, of myself and Chris Kind, yo, we thank you guys for listening to another episode of Hot Rod by Boy. Until next time, we'll catch you guys on the flip side.